gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I will be your host. And this week, we're switching it up a little bit. We are actually, or I am actually, with a couple guests here in beautiful Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Media Center, preparing for Canelo Khan, which is going to be live on HBO pay-per-view. And the fight is going to happen at the brand new T-Mobile Arena, which is a little bit down the street from the MGM Grand, which is where I'm staying and where this media summit is happening. Uh, we're going to get the chance to talk to some legendary boxers today, and I've never really talked boxing, so this is going to be interesting for me. We're going to talk to Lennox Lewis, we're going to talk to Oscar De La Hoya, we're going to talk to Bernard Hopkins, and they are all three such different personalities, so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because I have some notes, I've done some research, you know, but this could go in any, any random direction. So stick around. We've got three guys here who, you know, have completely different backgrounds and who are here promoting the fight for different reasons, although, um, you know, under the same Golden Boy Promotions um, uh, arena. So, it, but it'll be it'll be a blast, and they're all uh, they're all excited to come and talk to a bunch of the different media, and they've all you know been versed in in talking about the fight. So we'll get a little bit of inside information about Canelo Khan, which I'm really excited for because this is my first Vegas fight being actually in Vegas. I've seen a bunch of fights at home, and you know we've purchased pay-per-views, but this is my actual first fight in Vegas. Kyle, producer Kyle, by the way, is not here in Vegas with me. He left to listen at home. He couldn't afford the plane ticket slash he wasn't invited. So it'll be really interesting to see me handle this on my own. So that's what we're going to do. All right, coming up, we got uh, a couple of different guys. I don't know exactly who's coming first, but they're bringing them around to me as I'm on Radio Row here at the Media Center at MGM Grand. So stay tuned. Joining me now is the golden boy himself, Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar, this is an amazing week for you, especially because Golden Boy Promotions is promoting this fight. And Canelo Khan has been such an amazing way to bring together not only a British Muslim fighter, but also a Mexican fighter. And they're calling it the anti-Trump fight because, <laughs> you know, of, of the, the awful things that he has said right. about, you know, uh, both groups. And you've also said some interesting things about Trump this week in the media. So let's first start with the golf comments. How did this go down? Did you play golf with him and then you saw him cheat at golf? Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened. I mean, there's, you know, he's obviously now claiming that uh, that we didn't play. Right. Um, but uh, it's ironic how five or six other golfers come out and validate my point. Uh, um, I think one of them was Alice Cooper. Uh, he mentioned, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, he, I've seen him cheat as well. Uh, so, look, I mean, it, it is what it is, um, but let's just put it this way. I'm not going to vote for somebody who, uh, who cheats at golf because golf, and you can tell a lot by, by a, a person cheating in golf. I mean, the character comes out, you can, you know, of, of what type of person that, you know, uh, uh, he is, um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is. But you made the decision not to vote for him before you knew that he cheated at golf because of the comments of keeping Mexicans out of the country and building a wall, correct? Or was it just the golf? Well, you know, it's, it's because I also have family um, in California who's hardworking, who's, um, you know, picking strawberries in the fields, um, you know, uh, uh, um, who just want to come over and, and, and make a living for themselves or, and better their lives or... or or, or help their kids, you know, get through college. Uh, 
you know, I have family like that who have maybe don't have the proper documentation. Um, um, and those are the people that, uh, that, that Trump is talking about. Um, so, so yes, I mean, had I made my decision already? Yes, I did. Um, for, for that, for that reason, because my family will actually get affected. You came out this week and talked about it. Was it was it because you were asked about it, or because it coincides with the fight, or how did this all come out in terms of the golf situation coming out this week? Um, I, I somebody asked me. Um, somebody asked me about uh, about playing golf with uh, 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 various uh, celebrities, uh-huh. and uh, and um, they asked me a question like, uh, "Well, what's uh, what's been your funniest experience uh, out on the golf course?" And I mentioned a couple of stories uh, with Trump, and uh, that's how it came about. He's so tied in with the sport of boxing, though. Oh, he loves it. Oh, my gosh. And he's invited to the fight. I invited him to the fight. I actually talked to him over the phone on Tuesday. Uh-huh. This is funny because uh, I talked to him on Tuesday uh, because I know a mutual friend of his. So we got connected, and I was like, hey, Trump, how you doing? Uh, he was in, in New York at the time. And uh, he was like, oh, Oscar, I love what you do. You do great things. I love going to your events. They're amazing. Talking about my boxing events. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so uh, I said, Trump, you know, by the way, there's a rumor out here that you're coming to the fight. <laughs> and, uh, oh, there's a fight. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, who's fighting? Uh, yeah, Canelo versus Khan. Oh, that's a great fight. Let me find out, uh, let me find out about it with my people here if I can... If I can, uh, what I'm doing Saturday, then he yells across, I don't know, to who, uh, what are we doing Saturday? And uh, he tells me, let me call you tomorrow to confirm to you if I'm going to go or not. But I love, I love the idea. So half an hour later, the news breaks out. The story breaks out on the AP News that I made those comments about golf cheating. Uh-huh. And so I get a call literally like, 10 minutes after that, the, the story broke out. I get a call from his people. Uh, Oscar, um, I, I'm watching video here where you're talking about Trump and he's cheating in golf. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's a true story. I'm not gonna, why am I, why am I gonna lie? Well, you know it's not true. You know it's not. Was it was it a, a, just a comment that you made and they take took it out of context? And I was like, look, I mean, I said it. It is what it is. And then uh, and then uh, his people said, well, uh, by the way, uh, Trump can't make it to the uh, to the to the fight. So. So once he heard you say those comments, he decided he wasn't going to come. Of course. But for you, why would you want somebody who said such bigoted and hateful things about both groups who are being represented at the fight in the building? Well, because I wanted him to uh, to witness firsthand of of what a what the most popular Mexican fighter on the planet today and the most popular uh, uh, Muslim fighter uh, on the planet today can 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 accomplish can can I mean the economic impact that they will be having here in Las Vegas and across the country with pay per view is, is is incredible and not everybody is is a bad person the way he. Uh, 
the way he expressed uh, himself about Mexicans and Muslims. I mean, there are good people in this country, and uh, and I wanted him to see firsthand that uh, that 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 Mexican Canelo and the Muslim uh, Amir Khan uh, are, are going to do some good for this country. By the way, I just have to say we have to wrap up here, but I do want to tell you that when I was in college, my first love of boxing was your fight in 2007 uh, oh, was it? with wow. uh, with Floyd Mayweather nice. because I started realizing in college that I needed to follow sports okay. as part of my career rather than okay. just it being something that I loved oh, wow, because it's something that I wanted to do and that fight was so important for me right. and I'm sure as it was for you yeah. but it was such a, a learning experience for me to not only learn about following boxing but to, you know to learn about following you and your career and your importance okay. in the sport so I want to thank you for that because oh, that was amazing I'm glad I can contribute to your uh, to the to your love of uh, yeah the sport. Absolutely. And, uh, and it, you know, it just takes me back to my college days. Let me ask you real quick about Floyd. In terms of what do you think his future is in boxing, do you think he's going to stay retired? No, he's not going to stay retired. Yeah. I, I, I have a great intuition that he's going to come back and he's going to come back and fight another easy fight and get the 50th win. Um, uh, he's probably going to fight... Uh, uh, somebody like a Danny Garcia, um, which would be a walk in the park for for Floyd Mayweather, and uh, and then he would call it a day. Um, but yeah, he's definitely coming back. Okay, it will be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> Oscar, thank you so much. A thank brilliant 16-year career. I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much. All right, we are now joined on the Dots What She Said podcast by Jim Lampley, voice of HBO Boxing. Jim, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to ask you a little bit about your broadcasting career, if you don't mind. We can go back a little bit. You've covered so many different sports and so many big events. How does boxing fit into, you know, your love of covering sports in terms of where it ranks for you? Well, um, it's very important to realize that I come from right in the center of the Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali generation. Uh -huh. I was uh, 11 years old in 1960 when I watched Cassius Clay win his Olympic gold medal. And, and by the way, my father died when I was five years old, and I can very graphically remember the moment within about two years after that when my mother took me into a uh, separate room at a uh, holiday party with some friends of ours, and she sat me down and said, uh, you're going to watch uh, the Friday Night Fights uh, on Gillette's Friday Night Fights, and uh, this is Sugar Ray Robinson against Bobo Olson, and it's very important for you to watch this because if your father was still alive, this is what you would be watching. So boxing enters into my sports profile very, very early in my life. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was always something that mattered. And eventually, um, I got involved in network television as a sports commentator, and I was originally installed working on the college football telecast, and the logical way up the ladder at ABC Sports in those days was to cover unusual events for wide world of sports, and eventually I kind of found myself doing swimming and track and field and things of that nature, and Howard Cosell called the boxing matches, mm -hmm. and he called them by himself. There was no expert commentator. There was no other reporter, et cetera, et cetera. It was Howard and only Howard, and he was jealous enough of his turf that I knew that if I mentioned the word boxing in the building, I might get beheaded. So, uh, so a long time went by during which I wasn't covering it, but I was still a fan. And then uh, eventually that network uh, was without a boxing blow-by-blow -blow commentator. And 
the great irony is that there was a, a new executive in charge of the sports division who didn't like me and wanted to get rid of me <laughs> and thought that one of the best ways to make me uncomfortable and try to get me to walk on my contract would be to assign me to boxing because he figured I wouldn't like it. Wow. And of course, and little did he know. I had covered up for years the fact that it was my favorite sport, you know, so... So boxing is a logical path for me. I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did, but it was utterly counterintuitive in terms of how my career began and where I was. What foresight, the woman that your mother is, what foresight she had to be able to sit you down and knowing that you wouldn't have that role model as your father there to be able to, to teach you those things. Do you credit her with almost everything that you have, you know, accomplished because of what she did? 100%. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously my mother wasn't thinking at that time about any career path. Right. She was thinking about how to be uh, a mother to two boys, myself and my older half-brother, both of whose fathers were already dead. Uh, yeah. My mother at 35 years old was a double widow with two sons to raise. Uh, my brother was nine, I was five, and... Uh, and the only way that she could deal with that was to try to put herself in the heads of her two dead husbands and say, okay, what would they do? And in my case, it was all about sports. I mean, you know, she, she took me to boxing matches. She took me to, uh, she bought me season tickets for college football games when we couldn't afford them. Uh, she did all sorts of things that connected me to the sports world, and that was her psychic way of replacing my father. I got hired in 1974. I went to my first two Olympics in 1976. I went to the Winter Olympics in 1980. I went to the Winter and Summer Olympics in 1984. I had already been to five Olympics by the time I first started covering um, boxing matches. And, of course, ABC Sports uh, fostered and developed that whole notion of uh, up close and personal identify the individual psychological drama that attaches to each particular athlete. No sport is more graphic in that regard yep. than boxing. So, yep. so I had a very natural um, pathway to covering the confrontational psychological intricacy of boxing, which is what sets it apart from any other sport. There is no sport that is more psychological than boxing because nowhere else do you face somebody else without headgear, eye to eye, face-to-face, -face, and your lives are on the line. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unique in that regard. Well, and you're also, not only are you uh, a commentator, you also are essentially a therapist because you have to put yourself in the head of that athlete and almost dissect what they're thinking at the moment in terms of you know, how they're relating to the person that they're, they're across the ring from and, it, and, and all the different emotions that came before then, even going through their training process. You have to actually put yourself, and you've never fought before as a boxer, correct? 100% correct. I've been, I've been calling fights for more than 30 years. I've called thousands of them. I still don't get it. I still <laughs> don't understand how human beings do yeah. what they do. Yeah. You know, I... I am always in awe every time I sit at ringside and watch what men do and what women do uh, in a boxing ring because uh, it, it simply requires so much individual depth, courage, commitment, uh, dedication, etc. There aren't too many other things in life which will test you the way that boxing will. How much of that awe can, is also clouded by the fact that it's such a dangerous sport and you're watching two people, you know, that could potentially, you know, they could, they could get in a lot of trouble and it could be a, something really scary that could end up happening. How much of, of you being in awe of these athletes uh, can, can, you can get worried a little bit by how dangerous the sport is? It's utterly inescapable. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, 
11 or 12 years old the night that I watched live on television when uh, Emil Griffith beat up Benny Kidd Perrette and then I followed the newspaper reports over the next couple of days as Perrette died uh, yep. from the brain bleed. I watched that you know, very, very intensely, very personally, very graphically. Uh, I've never watched another boxing match without reflecting on the fact that people can die. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's it's a huge element of of what they do, and I think that um, it it underlines how dramatic each individual pursuit is. Because more than in any other sport, we're about taking people from nowhere to somewhere. And there's a political element in it, there's a social element in it, there's a psychological element in it, uh, and, and all of those things figure into the, you know, the, the quilt, the, 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 the whole amalgam of what makes boxing unique and interesting. And I can, can never get enough of it. You yeah. know, to me, they're still the most fascinating people in the world. Well, Jim, thank you so much for stopping by. I am in awe of what you do. I think you tell a beautiful story. I think uh, I have your mom to credit for that because of what she did when you were younger. But I really appreciate everything uh, for you coming by and for what you've done for the sport of boxing and for sports in general. Thank you, Alexa. It was a pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are now joined by one of the greatest to do it. Bernard Hopkins is here, still fighting, still very active in the sport at 51 years old. Bernard, how you feeling, buddy? I feel good. I really feel good. I got up at 5.30 this morning for the last couple of days, getting my workout in and then doing what I do. And it's just part of my medicine. It gets me up. That's like, um, you know, people have they, they, they rituals. One of my rituals is every day, whether it's East Coast or West Coast, is to do different things, but get up in the morning and make sure I, I get the edge off and I get my day running because it's part of my therapeutic. It's, it's definitely that because now I'm ready. I'm, you know, the morning is, is fresh. I'm up and I get through the day and I got my workout in. And, you know, I, I look good in my suits. You look good. You feel good. You sound good, you know, and... When you reach certain age in life, and age is, is, is a factor in everybody's life, um, I'm glad that I can look younger than 51. Yeah, you look great. As, as, as I have 28 years in the boxing on top of that, um, not only being blessed, but I'm blessed for doing something right. Absolutely. That's the key. Yeah. Being blessed just to be blessed. To me, I, I think a little further out of the box because I believe when you're blessed, something that you've done and how you treat people had a lot to do with those blessings. Well, and my main question to you is, as your career has progressed in boxing, from when you first started to where you are now, how has the sport changed? Because we've gone through decades here where a lot has changed in the sport of boxing, but for you, how you view it and how the sport is fought, what's the biggest difference? I think, I think uh, boxing itself, um, haven't changed. Names have changed, of course. Um, the talent ratio have changed, and not for the bad, but I think that people in boxing, business people, and 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 movers and shakers have changed on how they want to do business um, for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you look at boxing for a long time, the manager or the promoter will go and negotiate the fee with the networks. Mm -hmm. The networks became really the bank. And so when you have a manager or promoter saying, hey, I want to change the game, 
I want to do what no one has done. I want to go and pay the networks for TV time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. When you go, it's called a license fee. So when you go to the networks and say, hey, wait a minute. I don't want you to pay me any license fee. I want to buy airtime. Now, why would I, another promoter, come behind that and say, well, you got to pay me X, Y, Z for my fighter to fight on your show uh, on TV, and it's going to cost, or at least we're asking for X, Y, Z of numbers of, of money. Then, you know what they're going to do? They're going to look at you and say, why would we pay you a license fee and we got someone that's paying us? We in a win-win situation. That's where boxing have changed from the business side and also from getting the right fights made. Because when a fight, when the right fights doesn't or don't get made, that's when boxing takes a hit because the right fights ain't getting made. This Saturday on HBO pay-per-view, great segue to go into this, the right fight, the right fight and fights in the future is getting made. And that is Canelo, Alvarez, and also American. That's what happens where Boxen is at the forefront because it's a fight that matters, that people care. Whatever you got opinion is opinion. Yeah. But it's a matchup that we, we're talking about because it's a matchup that draw buzz. Well, and you have an interesting, you know, insight into it because you are still an active, active boxer plus you are a promoter. So you're coming at it from two different angles and how you handle this fight and, and how you see it, right? That's a skill. Yeah. Because I got to handle, yes, I got to handle two different things and I got to handle two different questions that's coming at me without being a conflict of interest yeah. or bias. Yeah. So I, I've learned how to juggle that. I learned how to be multiple pe persons and, and handle the job and not let one cross the other. You know, in today's world, they usually give you medication for that. Yeah. But my medication <laughs> is understanding that I can juggle those two. And when I feel that one side is getting the other, I yeah. go in a dark room and I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you know how it works, right? So you're a Philly guy. You're from Philly. Do you follow Philly sports? Are you absolutely? Oh, come on! I, I'm really critical too. Okay, so the Eagles, the right. Sixers, so so let's talk about Flyers. the Eagles. And Sam Bradford's situation right now. Yeah. Right. So they draft Carson Wentz. They trade all of these draft picks up to get Carson Wentz. And then Sam Bradford, once they draft Carson Wentz, you know throws a hissy fit. He's looking like they're trying to get me out of here. Right. So he's, do you feel like that's fair for him to be able to throw a hissy fit like that? Or do you feel like he should be a man and say, you know what, I'm going to earn my spot as the veteran on this team. And, you know, and, and, and then that's the case, right? First, first of all, as an athlete, yeah. especially on a team, uh, anybody and everybody is replaced. Yeah. First of all, rule. That's rule. Mm -hmm. Right. Second, I agree with you on, on on your analysis on the second thing where yeah, I think that he is being a little like a like a brat sort of because in a way you know you haven't really stepped up, right? You have an opportunity now. Maybe it is a little fire and a little a, a, a little incentive mm -hmm. to be able to say I, I, I want my spot, you know, to be renegotiated based on being in position for them to say, look, he's, you know, maybe this spark a, a flame where he's awesome this year. To me, it's fair game. To me, I think that when you know your job is at stake, you normally, if you know you want that job mm -hmm. and you want to prove you are better than this guy, then you would step your game up. I think everything and everybody in every situation should understand that if you don't treat Right? Your partner right. 
if you don't do your job right, that is a chance, is a really, really high percentage chance that you'll lose your position. Yep. That goes for men, that goes for women, because love has nothing to do with it, as Tina Turner says, <laughs> right? What love got to do with it? If you don't represent, I like this, I love you. Love you. You're, you're good. But you, you, you must be conscious. If you know, you must be conscious of that. And, and that goes for sports, and like I just mentioned, it goes for me, everything. Step your game up, you know, you made your point. I disagree to agree, but at the end of the day, let's see how this year go. Let's see what you do this year because the Eagles is not letting them go. Right. You know that. Right. And so now either you got to step up and, and, and understand that it's somebody behind you that, you know, that's young and hungry and want want your spot. That's so, fair game. You're right. So I do a podcast in New York, and I cover a lot of New York sports. And the view that New Yorkers have of Philly fans is a very negative one. And the view that a lot of American sports fans have of Philly fans is a negative one. Philly fans are tough, but they also get a bad rap. Passionate, extremely passionate. Do you feel like that's fair? Do you feel like that rap that they get is fair? I think it's fair, and I think it's honorable. Really? Philly is that town. I mean, we have but I mean, they have ki- they have fans throwing up and on kids in the stands. Well, that's, and that's not that's something different. As far as I'm concerned, when I'm talking about booing Santa Claus, right? You know, we known for that more than the kids. <laughs> Nobody should throw in the kid, throw up on kids or bruise kids in any way. Right. I totally agree. That to me, that's something different. Should be locked up. Yeah. Right. Should be incarcerated. That's a felony. As yeah. far as I'm concerned. But right? even going there as an opposing fan, I'm a Redskins fan, and going in there wearing burgundy oh, and gold. Like y'all, no. You do. It's, I mean, it's almost like an abusive glad. culture. Well, you'd be glad you ain't running to me if you had a damn Redskins shirt on. And Yeah, and, and I got yelled at. And it, it's a do, scary we, atmosphere. We, we like that, though. We, 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 we like that. I, 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 gotta, I can't go against the grain. You know I got to go back home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping it 100 with you. you know, but we good. We batting more than 500. I agree with most of the things you said and, and, and supported, uh, you know, from my point of view. Yeah. But the Eagles fan, we're not going to – I can't change them in, in – I wouldn't even try because I'll have to move. But but the Eagles fans are like that. We're gonna. I think that is part of. They mentioned blue collar worker. You know, hard type, hard hard nosed city, tough. You know, really loyal to to the the the, the athletes. If you step up, we love T.O. Yeah. You know, and T.O. was very controversial, but he had heart. Mm-hmm. He wanted to sign a waiver when he was hurt for the Super Bowl that we was in. Yeah. Years back. I mean, we love him for that. Yeah. You know, AI. AI. We, you know, I don't know, this guy, you know, this small guard who, who, who would risk his body and run right to the fire. We love that. Yeah. That type of spirit. Well, you like guys who represent the spirit of your town, which makes sense. If you have guys who are going to be just as passionate, you know, as the people who represent the city, they're going to, you know. That's a match. That's right. a match in heaven. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna ride or die for and them. If you're risking fame, you're, <laughs> you're not gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. All right, this is my first fight in Vegas. I've what? seen a lot of fights on TV, but I've never uh, actually you'll be been here. After Saturday, you coming back? I, well, that's what I've heard. So, you know, you're working for Golden Boy uh, Promotions yeah. now. Yep. Sell me this this fight in terms of people who you know haven't purchased the the pay per view yet, haven't decided whether they're, they're going to see it, coming to Vegas to see it. What's this experience well, like? Well, tickets are already sold. The experience is great. I can tell you about the fight, but I don't have to sell you the fight because the fight really is going to be, you know, this is Cinco de Mayo weekend. It's a Mexican representing that, American and Mexican. 
By the way, what's this and, Donald and, Trump and, bullshit and, that's and, happening? And that's, that that is that. Well, Donald Trump ain't gonna be here, I don't think. But I but know, he was invited. I know he was invited, and 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 he's a fight fan. I'm Donald Trump watched me box many times in the middleweight division. AC, Philadelphia. Is that a tough you know. relationship for you to have because he has supported you in so many situations? Well, he came slash, to watch the fights. Right. Yep. Slash, he also can say some terrible things about people, and yeah. so there's this dichotomy yeah. about him. Yeah, and but you know one thing that we all have to understand in this country, even though things that we agree to disagree with, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's your style, or whether it's what you say, what you don't, might be offensive, and it might be, and a lot of things are. But we live in a country that if you don't want your cake and eat it too, then you have to understand that why people die to get here and want to stay here is because we don't have to worry about getting our head cut off physically. Yeah. We don't have to worry about getting shot in front of a gun squad because we want to be Christian and not Muslim, or Muslim and not Christian. Or we want to be Democrat, not Republican, and all of a sudden that we outcasted, all of a sudden you're killed, you, your family's killed. Other countries, if you say the things that you can say in our country, called America. Oh, believe me, I'm a journalist. So, I'm, so, I'm so, very so, much for freedom so, of speech. So, so, but hate speech, I'm absolutely but, against. But That's my biggest problem. And I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. But I also got to understand that the same guy that said she running down a court or slamming the ball like a nappy head hoe, Don Ammons, remember that? Yep. He wanted him getting a 30 plus million dollar contract later on and still working. Yeah. Why can't we just be understandable? But he's, all, understand but he's not running for president. But, but that's not, a little different. But he's not running for president, but he said something that's offensive. Absolutely, he 100%. He should never have a job. But he said something that's called racist. I agree. And, but this country, yeah. this country, the powers to be, the movers and shakers, rewarded him with millions, rewarded him with a thing. So we can't say this was bigger than that, this was bigger than this. We got to look at things as being wrong flat out, no matter if you're running for president or running for mayor or governor. When you want to pick and choose to lay the American flag on, to make a point for yourself to look good, then I say that is wrong. I say when people understand that you cannot have your cake and eat it too quietly, Somebody's going to have enough bravery and enough heart and enough stamina to be able to bring it out to the forefront. There's no way in the world, there's no way in the world that everybody that live under this five pillars of freedom of speech and this or that, freedom of speech. Do Donald Trump, is Donald Trump saying things that I disagree with? Yes. But do Donald Trump has a right to say it whether he's running for president or running for school board teacher? At the end of the day, he has the right that our forefathers fought and, and made law that he has the right to freedom of speech. But was that right to freedom of speech is to expose who you are and then you get killed. So you got to look at it two ways. So we've been under this thing way before me and you became in this world. And now it's being tested at a higher peak that you couldn't imagine it ever being tested. Is now that is something that now that was laid down as law. And that is something that people are going to use when they criticize because they don't support homosexuality. They don't support this. They don't support that. They don't support that. Do they have the right to not support that? Yes. Do they have the right to argue against something that they might think is forced down their throat of, 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 of behavior or, or they can call relationships or whatever? 
People have opinions. And we're in a country where opinions are law because of the Constitution that we live under. I agree. He has a right to say whatever he wants to say. You are totally right about that. You can disagree with them if you choose to, which I do. You and that's 100%. You know what I've seen the most ugliest thing What's in that? this country? What's that? And I love this country. It's a great country. It's when Obama became president in the hate because he was African-American. Yeah. I mean, yo, terrible. listen, let me tell you something. I think every culture should study their culture way before they got here. They might not have created a mess, but it was laid down for domination. It was laid down for a lot of reasons. And people do benefit from the past. If you really look into your past and understand why you're here and how you, in some seemingly ways, it didn't have anything to do with it, but you inherit, like a person inherit money, like a person inherit a fortune, like a per person inherit badness and, 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 and stereotype. When we recognize and know that it wasn't you itself, obviously. But when you look at things that have been done, you will not be proud of your own ancestors. You wouldn't be proud of what they have said and what they've done. But you also got to understand that the benefits that you benefit because you just happen to be this color or you just happen to be that color. And when you understand that, then you will have a true dialogue between people of all ethnic groups and people of all religion to understand that things was laid down. Things was laid down for a reason. For a reason. This is bad and this is good. This is pure and this is dark and gloomy. Mm -hmm. This is snow white and great and this is gloomy, sad. You go to the funeral, you wear black. If you wear all white, they look at you unless you're an usher, unless you're handing out programs. Right. Things need to be on the table when you have sensitive conversations like this to understand that knowledge is power and you look in history you will find the future when you look in history you will find the future it's the same in boxing it's the same in sport every living or non-living entity in this world has a history you have to look into the history and if you don't the same cycle for Generations and generations would continue to be passed down, and we will never get out of the problem. Have you ever considered being a professor or a teacher? I know you go around and you speak about different things. I dropped out in eighth grade. I educated myself in the penitentiaries of America. But you I are came, so well out. read, and you have so many opinions that so many people, I think, would love to hear. Would you consider, after you retire from boxing, a career well, I, in I education? Don't have to retire. I can do it now. I've learned how to be multitask. In this society, if you do one thing, you, you fail before you started. Yeah. You must always have that mentality of a multitask. I taught my 16-year-old daughter the same thing. My four-year-old son, they have to be, as I'm teaching him, you have to know how to do more than one thing. And if you get those things in order and knowing that failures and achievements going to happen, you, you won't be all right, but you will be ready for anything that comes to you. So you'll be all right. You won't be all right. It's going to be waves in life. There are waves. I love to do speaking. I've spoken many places. I'm speaking at Temple University in Broad Street in Philadelphia to a whole bunch of students. They'll talk about what? Finances. Buy what you need, not what you want. Live behind. Live within your means, not beyond your means. 
Don't be a label whore. Don't run out and clear your, your student loan bank account out because you want to wear things that people recognize. You make the suits. You make the shoes. You make the pocketbook. If you understand, if you get something that has half the quality that you got to clear your bank account or get a second mortgage to, and you look good, and you feel good, and you take care of your body, and you take care of the best investment you have is you. You can buy anything else over and over again, but one thing you can't buy is life. I feel like I should pay admission right now because you are speaking no, so many you. truths. I'm going to ask you anyway before I get up and leave for my offering. It's, uh, it's unbelievable how many truths you speak and how engaging you are and how powerful what you say is. And, you know, and I know I you've developed it. this. I I and changed, I know you've developed it over years. I you know, it's not something. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I, I'm like this because this is not an act. This is not something I turn on and turn off. Um, I made some decisions in my young life that cost me some time out of my life. And I realized that this is, that this is not a place that I want to be in. And second, I know that I'm more important to a lot of people. One, my mother. Second, my father. And my seven siblings. But I understood halfway through that life, not the first half, but halfway through this life, that I would never be nobody's 141, 45 anymore. I will never be no one inmate anymore. I will never be no one slave in a way of mentality, in a way of being a slave to anything, whether it's marijuana, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol. I lost two parents because of lifestyle. They didn't see 60. They seen 50s, late, mid-50s, mother and father. And here I'm 51 coming up on the age where they was basically on their way out in a few years. How profound that I still remember that 15 plus years they've been gone. That they didn't even get a chance to live out their life fully. But they got a chance to see their son. Out of all the siblings who never got in trouble, but I did. Out of all the siblings that went to college, four of them, and went to school. But the one that did the opposite of everybody else is the one that took care and took care of everybody else and set them up where they had to do nothing but this, pay their bills and not their mortgage. You never know who you're throwing away when you give up on that person. And I tell people, don't give up. Don't give up. Tuck your chin like a fighter. Pitch your hands up. Keep your eyes open enough to see and just swing. Swing at a target, not to swing the swing. Swing at a target that you want to be and be that. That's my life. That's my testimony. And I'm sticking with it. Well, they say you live for the ones that are no longer here, and you are absolutely doing that. Yeah. Bernard Hopkins, one of the greatest of all time. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, joining me now is the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, one of the best to do it, Lennox Lewis. Lennox, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You look tired. Are you tired? Uh, I mean, you look great. Okay, well. But tired. you also look a little tired. Well, I'm tired, too. Yeah, I got up early. I went for a five-mile run. How's that go? How'd that go? Good. I woke up and took a shower. Do you get recognized <laughs> when you're running on the street? Uh, sometimes. I don't know. I'm not really concentrating on every car. Yeah. I mean. I may get a, a bib once in a while, 
or you know somebody may and I, I may think do I know that person I can't recognize the person because you know it's usually the car is tinted right so they just shout something out the window like they're probably saying hey good job oh I wish I was out there running yeah you know I heard that you cut your hair and now have it framed in your house is this true Absolutely. You know, uh, my hair, I grew it for like 15 years. Yeah. Well, it's so, kind of like your trademark. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to cut it off and throw it in the garbage was like, nah, I can't do that. Okay. So uh, it's now a piece of art. Where is it? On my wall. It's How- framed and on my wall. Did you take it to a friend who was like, yeah, yeah, this is totally normal because I know you and you're, you're kind no, of a... No, you want to hear a joke? Yeah. My friend did it before me and I loved it. I said, wow, I got to do that with mine when, when, I, got it, when I cut mine off. So um, years later, I phoned him. I said, listen, I'm ready to cut mine off. Can you do some artwork for me? He said, yep, no problem. And he did it for me. Perfect. And is it glued down or is it pinned onto a board? How is it displayed? No, I, I don't know how he put it, either glued or pinned it down, but he put it on a board in a frame now it's on my wall and is it signed by you or does no, it have any uh, inscription with it you know i'm going to send it out on blast one time so you can see it yeah uh, he actually drew some eyes on it uh-huh. and they're like my eyes so when you look at the the, the picture it's kind of following you around the room Whoa. It's that type of uh, art type of like a mona lisa kind of yeah, a thing yeah it's good it's a good it's good work that's cool yeah all right. Well, if anyone ever needs that done, they can go visit your friend, right? Absol- well, you know what? He, he charges. A lot of money. Yeah, for anybody else, not me. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you can afford it anyway, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You have beaten every opponent you have ever faced in professional competition. I'm just reading this off Wikipedia. This okay. is what Wikipedia tells yeah, me, at least. Man. Read it, read it, read it. Um, <laughs> what, when you look back on your career, do you ever sit down and think about exactly how it went, you know, uh, the, the span of what you've been able to accomplish does that sink in for you or you just kind of really. you're going through life yeah I, st- I go through life uh, I, it's, you know I can go through life and always be reminded of something mm-hmm. you know walking down the street hey Lennox man oh man we were in Bahamas when you boxed Tyson and we went in the bar everybody was for Tyson but we were for you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know everybody always gives me stories about uh, so I live in I live in other people's worlds uh, and it's great uh, it's interesting because, um, uh, you know, what people are doing, what people were doing at that time and uh, who named their dog after me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you get a lot of that, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting life I lead. Well, because you can see, you know, your career and your life through other people's eyes, which yes. is a really bizarre way to watch it. But it's also kind of cool, too, because you get different perspectives. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, imagine this. Every time I watch myself fight, yeah, I still get into it. I can sit there and just focus on me fighting, and like I've never been there before. And it's like you know, it brings me back in the moment. I mean, TV and pictures are great. So you mentioned the Mike Tyson fight. For you, was that knockout the the pinnacle of your career? Do you really do you take a lot no, of pride I, in that? I, I don't. I don't say it was the pinnacle of my career. I think he was. He was one of the pinnacles. You know, there's there's a couple fights out there that uh, were important fights in my whole life, mm-hmm. which really brought me to the forefront of where I'm at today. And you know, they're learning processes. You know, obviously, I got knocked down a couple times. I, I learned from that and I got back up. I've been through three different trainers. Uh, the, my last trainer, Manuel Stewart, was the was the best ever trainer in the world who passed away recently yes and um you know a lot of people haven't 
uh, seeing his greatness, but his greatness comes through all the stars, all the champions that he's helped uh, build. What was your relationship like with him? Oh, he was, he, you could say it was like a dad relationship because, yeah. you know, he was, he was in my head. He was, um, he helped me uh, focus. He helped me um, become who I am today. So, you know, a lot of credit is uh, I give to him as well. Your parents are Jamaican. You were born in London. You moved to Canada when you were 12. Yeah. Your accent is a little bizarre, I have to say, because yeah. you're kind of British, you're kind of Canadian. You have dual citizenship, right? Absolutely. And Part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, and you kind of sound like you're, I mean, like, I mean, you obviously are, but you're a man of the people, but you, you don't really have a specific accent like you're from one or the other. It's, it's kind of like blended I, I gotta together. I got to tell you, you know, when I'm around English people, yeah. it comes out. When yeah. I'm around Jamaican people, it comes out. <laughs> when I'm around Canadians, it comes out. And so what happens when you're around white girls? White girls, it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that, but what? <laughs> All right, so when you started your career in Canada, you had the chance to go pro, but you decided to stay uh, amateur because you wanted to win a medal right. in the Olympics. Yes. And you ended up winning gold in, in the, in the Summer Olympics yeah, 88. in 88 in, in South Korea. Right. What was that like for you? It was great uh, to have two Olympic experiences. I don't think too many people have that opportunity, but uh, I did. I thought the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was an Olympics where they really made money. <laughs> uh, then going across to Seoul to a different country where, you know, when you're going through the line, they're teaching you, uh, you know, Korean. So I can, I still got, I still got it. Gamsa Hamdida. What's that mean? That means thank you very much. Wow. So I still remember, I forgot how you say uh, something else. Uh -huh. It was like about three things I learned when I was over there. Yeah. And, you know, the Olympic experience uh, was, um, was unbelievable for me. You know, got to meet all these different cultures, uh, eat all these different foods, get massaged by all these different uh, people from different countries, China, Korea, Mongolia. So, and they all got different methods. So and the best to do it, right? Huh? The best to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can go and get a massage and all that person uses is their thumbs to massage you. So it's, all, it's just pure pressure points. So that was great. Was the Olympic Village as crazy as they say it is? Yes. People it, running around, tons of sex, tons of partying? No. No? Who told you that? Oh, come on. No. Get out of here. <laughs> Everybody's serious. They want to win the, medals. Okay, but after they're done with their competition, yes. because it is a group of the best-looking athletes yeah. all together in one spot who have been training and focusing on one specific event for yeah. how many years? Four yeah. years. And now they're done, and they can just let loose and hang out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were doing, I'll tell you what was, what was really fun, trading pins. There had, there's anybody that had pins came there and they traded them. They were from different parts of the world. So, you know, I was collecting pins at the time. I wasn't having sex. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't believe you. Get out of here. <laughs> so was the Olympics for you different because boxing is such an individual sport? Yes. And the Olympics, you get to represent your country. Right. What's the difference there? Um, the in, term, in terms of mentality and how you, you, you know. Well, you know, it's like, you're, like you're going to war, in, yeah. in a sense. And the country is depending on you yeah. to win. So you're going against the Russians. And, uh, you know, it's a three-round fight. And you go in there in this war. And you bring out all your weapons, your arsenal, field of punches that you can throw with any given moment. And hopefully win for your country. Now, when you win for your country, that's like a gold medal. 
uh, gold ticket into the professionals. So you're, you know, when you go into the professionals, you, you go in pretty at a high pace, and people notice you and say, hey, that's the Olympian coming. And when you've won an Olympic gold medal, usually the pedigree is that you're going to win a professional belt. Yes, and, yes. Th and that's and the pedigree a, that you came in with. Right, and become yeah. a champion. Do you wear your gold medal at all? No, I gave it to my mom. I wanted to be like Muhammad Ali. Uh -huh. So I gave it to my mom. Uh, I didn't throw it in the river. So she, <laughs> she actually put it in the safe, and um, she's looking after it. And it's in the safe, so it's not out on display? No. It's so funny. You know, I was talking to Mookie Wilson, who played with the Mets on the 86 World Championship team, and I was asking him where his World Series ring was, and he said, in the safe. I'm telling you, if I had an Olympic medal or if I had a World Series championship ring, that shit would be out on display. Everyone would be able to see it. I'd be wearing it. I'd be, you know, or it'd be in some sort of case in my house. Could I ask you a question? Yes. If your house got robbed yes. and somebody took it, how would you feel? That's true. That's a great point. <laughs> now, hopefully, I have guard dogs that would eat the robber before they even got to the house. Yes. Right? Because you'd have like a vicious, you know, defense right. system if you've got that kind of... It reminds me of a movie where uh, a guard dog, he swallowed somebody's ring and they were waiting for him to poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to keep on giving the dog a walk. Come on, you got to walk the dog and get get the ring. That could even be the safest place for the ring to be, inside the dog, because then yeah. no one knows it's in there except for you. Uh, speaking of movies, you have been in movies. Yes. What's the experience like staging a fight in a movie versus a real fight? The fact that you keep on having to do it again and again, and these guys can never get the camera angle right. <laughs> <laughs> and that must be exhausting. Ah, yeah, man. You Is know, that more tiring than a real fight or no? Real fights it's tiring. mentally tiring because you do this you do it and they say okay break and then you break for an hour while they set up the cameras and the light yeah. and then you have to go do it again and then they break for an hour and then they set up cameras and lights different places then you have to do it again so that's like you know if you want to be a movie star that's the life of a movie star on the set yeah and you don't want to be a movie star yeah you're kind of a movie star yeah i'm i'm a living i'm a living movie star there you go yeah i'm always uh, playing the role what superstars have you met in the movie industry that you're close with or that you really vibed with a lot of people There's yeah a, yeah a lot of people you know a lot of um, tell me about all your famous friends no i can't <laughs> i want to keep their privacy no. okay uh but they, who's like who's a good person that we would maybe you know not to know too much about or not even really be on our radar in terms of somebody that you're buddies with that that you have a good relationship with i'm not telling you really <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody out there that that you know you you really appreciate their friendship enough to have other people out there want to know that they're a good person. Yeah, name name like ten people and I'll tell you who. George Clooney. I've met him. Nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah, uh, he loves boxing. And do you guys talk boxing? When do we see each other? Okay. Who do you see anyone on a regular like Leonardo no. DiCaprio? Do you see any no, of these people? No, I, I don't. I don't see him too much. I was. Uh, uh, I was at Justin Bieber's house a week ago. What were you doing with Justin Bieber? Playing with a tiger. Whoa! Yeah. -uh. What an animal. Was it? It wasn't Mike Tyson's tiger, though. No, it, it was, was Justin a, Bieber's tiger. Well, they brought it to the party, and he was able to uh, pet it. I was able to pet it as well. Spoke to him. Asked him if he's coming down to the fight. He said no. He's got to do some stuff. And that was it. Who would you rather have in attendance, Donald Trump or Justin Bieber? Ooh. That's easy. That's so easy. It's got to be Justin Bieber. What's this crap about Donald Trump cheating at golf? What a terrible person, right? Yeah, he cheated at golf. Yeah. Can you cheat at golf? 
Yeah, you can pick up the ball and move it where you didn't did? hit it. And that's what that's what Oscar De La Hoya told us that he cheated at golf. Man. Yeah, that's a big story this week that Oscar <laughs> came out and said that he's a bad person. And then Donald Trump was going to come to the fight. And then once he heard Oscar say that, he said, no, I don't want to come anymore. Uh, well, you know, Donald Trump says a lot of outlandish things. And, uh, I, you know, I don't think, um, I don't think, I, you know, I don't think he should get mad if somebody says something bad about him. You must look at American politics. I mean, I know that you are, you know, very familiar with this country, obviously. Yes, and you've of been course. in here for a long time. But being British and being Canadian, and that's where you have your dual citizenship, you must look at the politics in this country and think we are insane. I, I've, I, you know, I look at it, but, you know, politics around the world is not good. You know, I've seen a lot of... Um, you don't think it's crazier here, though? It's, it is crazy because I'm, I'm actually... Uh, concerned about the rhetoric yeah. you know you know uh the fact that donald trump can say oh we're gonna kick all the mexicans out you know whether he can or not or the fact that he said it and, right and he knows how america moves america loves a train wreck he loves they, they love when you say those type of things and uh as you can see by votes they love that type of uh rhetoric which is so interesting because he's so tied into the world of boxing and you've got Canelo Khan, which is, you know, a British Muslim and a Mexican coming together for this fight. The two groups that he's offended the most, I mean, he's offended several other groups, uh, women included, but the two groups that, you know, he's been the most vocal about and the fact that he was even considering coming to this fight. I mean, you have to be delusional. Well, you know, you know, if he, I, I don't even think he was going to come to this fight. He wouldn't, he wouldn't chance coming to this fight because uh, everybody would probably boo him. And does he want to be booed? They would probably throw things at him. Does he want that to happen? So, no. Right. He'd get the exact treatment that all of the people at his rallies yes. get treated like. Yes. And he'd get a taste of his own medicine. Actually, to be honest, maybe he should come to the fight. He wouldn't chance it. No. But I would like to have him here just anybody so Anybody that could... cheats at golf is not going to come to a fight. They'd probably send their bodyguards or somebody. That's that's weak. <laughs> that is so weak. You think he actually has bodyguards that he yeah, sends? Yeah, he's, he's got tons of them. Do you have bodyguards? I did. And no more. Uh, well, there's a there's a couple guys around. If you see some funny looking Chinese guys in black suits, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have sw they have swords and they're no, trained fighters? No swords, just but hands they're trained are, fighters. Yeah, trained fighters. Are, are you serious? Look, there's one over there. I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not falling for that. Uh, tell me about this fight. What am I looking forward to? Because this is my first Vegas fight. I've seen really? I've seen a lot on TV, and but this is my first time being actually here, and so I'm going to be at the fight. So are you catching the excitement? I, I, so far, this has been amazing. Yeah. I mean, having the, all of these guys here and and feeling the vibe of the the pre-fight and everything leading up to it this week, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a great fight, especially the fact that you know. Uh, there's a British guy, yeah, uh, Khan, and, and he's a long way from home. Or so, are you rooting for Khan because he's British? Um, I'm rooting for Khan because I know him and uh, we're friends. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I believe he has great boxing ability. He's got quick legs, quick hands, and I think it's a classic uh, good matchup between uh, Khan and Canelo. Canelo, unbelievable puncher. He's 25 years old, 50, almost 50 fights. And uh, this man is a power puncher. He wants to mix it up. This makes for a good fight. So what you're going to see is Canelo chasing Khan, Khan boxing and moving. And it, it's going to depend on who can catch up with each other. When you are a boxer preparing for a fight like this, 
what goes through your head mentally in terms of how you prepare? Because boxing, I cover, you know, team sports. Yeah. Uh, um, the majority of the sports that I cover, team sports in New York. This is my first actual boxing event, so I'm learning a lot. Okay. But it's such a unique situation because you are going out there completely exposed and you're all on your own. I mean, yes, you have your trainers, you have your, your guys in your corner, but it's just you and the other fighter in the ring. So mentally, how do you prepare for that? Mentally, how you prepare for it? Months ahead of time yeah. with your training. You focus on your training. You watch a lot of tape on the guy that you're going to fight. You say to yourself, well, how am I going to beat this guy? What are, what, what are his weaknesses? What are his strengths? What are my weaknesses? You, so you try and protect your, your weaknesses and work on them, whether you got a, a soft belly, so you do a lot of sit-ups. Make <laughs> sure you have a hard belly when the, when the fight comes around. Uh, or, and, and then how do you prepare for it? How I prepare. For, I can only say how I prepare for my okay. fights. And this is how I prepare for my fights. You know, mentally, you know, I run the fight in my head hundreds of times with the same outcome me winning there you go and then when the day of the fight comes obviously i've prepared myself i've done all the work in the gym now i just have to go in the ring and put everything that i've been thinking and working on mentally into action in the ring and so once you're in the ring so what goes through your head mentally the day of the fight day of the fight the day of the fight i try and not be too consumed with thinking about the fight. So I watch karate movies. Do you really? Yeah, I love karate movies before, before I step into the ring. It kind of gets me into the space, that space. Into the fighting space? Yes. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Are the karate movies one of the reasons that you have Chinese bodyguards? Now you know. Got it. <laughs> Do you, and, and I'm assuming that you've practiced these. Well, you know, boxing is a martial art. Exactly. So, uh, yes, I am... Uh, I'm the best at my martial arts, which is boxing, hand-to-hand mm -hmm. -hand combat, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I love it. I'm, I'm glad that I am. Do you think that boxing has changed since you first got into the sport, for the better or for the worse? Uh, you know, I've, I can always say that, you know, boxing is always getting better. You do believe that? Yeah, I think it should be, yeah, it's getting better because there's, uh, you know, different... Uh, rules that they put into place mm -hmm. um you know the people people always come to me and say oh do you think ufc took over boxing and i'm saying no boxing is a individual sport and boxing you can only use your hands it's not a sport you can uh, stomp on a guy's foot choke a guy out so boxing's a, a, a special sport it's been around 150 years yeah ufc just came the other day so there's a lot of hype behind it. The, the hype's kind of plateaued off. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, I, and, I, and I love watching UFC because of all the scrappy fighting. I yeah. do too. Yeah. It's really violent, but I actually like that. Yeah, I mean, you I know. mean, I, like, I love boxing too. Yeah. Uh, I love them both equally. I, I don't prefer one over the other, but I, the fact that UFC is so violent is something that really draws people in. And... Uh, it's, it's not longevity, though. Boxing is more longevity than UFC. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's more of an art. Yes. All right, Lennox, we end every podcast with having our guests tell an embarrassing story. Now, the two guys who sat down in this chair before you got away without telling an embarrassing story. So you almost have to make up for the fact that they, you know, they basically ate and ran. Wow. Can, Can you, you do that for that? me? I know. I will. I, you know, I'm going to do that for you. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. 
So my mother always makes me my last meal before I step into the ring. Uh-huh. And usually it's some spicy dish because I like scotch bonnet peppers. And they're from Jamaica. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, she came to, it was in L.A. or somewhere. Uh, actually, it was Vegas. She couldn't find scotch bonnet peppers. So she found some other pepper. I didn't know what it was. It was long and thin. <laughs> and she gave that to me. So anyway, I was preparing to fight uh, Galata. Uh-huh. And my stomach was hurting me. And it's like, okay, I, w- I want to go to the bathroom, but then I had to go fight. So, you know, my stomach was bothering me so bad. Anyway, went into the fight, uh-huh. knocked out Galata within two minutes, came out, then went to the bathroom. <laughs> so I was like, wow, mom, where's that pepper? Get that pepper again. Make sure you bring some home for my next fight. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you have to run as, as soon as the fight was over and just get out of there and get to the bathroom? Uh, I moved pretty quick. I mean, you know. But you made it to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, I made it to the bathroom. But uh, the reason I worked so fast in the, in the ring, it was because of that reason. It's like, yo, I got to get out of here quick. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't any of the preparation. I mean, that all helped. But the yeah. end, the end uh, situation was that you had to go to the bathroom so bad because of these peppers. Yes, this pepper was bunning me. <laughs> Lennox, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. One of the best to ever do it. I really appreciate you stopping by. Thank Thank you. you.